back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we continue preparations for the Patriots and roster cutdown day coming up on Saturday. We have to get down to 53 and 69 in total if you include the practice squad extended rosters this year. The Dolphins are back on the practice field, so we'll hear from Coach Flores and another trio of Dolphins players. Plus, I'm going to give you my top five newcomer performers of Dolphins Training Camp 2020. All of that and more on this Tuesday, September the 1st edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we'll jump into Brian Flores' Tuesday morning media availability here in just one moment. But first, some roster news to get to off the top. Yesterday, the Dolphins announced the release of linebacker James Crawford and in his place on the roster, a familiar face. Nice rhyme. In wide receiver Andy Jones, Jones is back after two prior stints with the team as he attempts to carve out a role on this Dolphins football team in 2020 as we are just 12 days away from the season opener. And speaking of being 12 days away, I feel like the closer we get to actual football games, you're going to see more of Coach's personality comes out because this guy is all football. It's all he's known his entire life. He just loves the game. He was all smiles, all jokes, and all laughing during his Tuesday morning media availability, busting the chops of guys like Cam Wolf and Joe Shad. And like you and I, it just seems like the excitable meter gets cranked up a couple more notches with games and the forecast with Coach Flores. And with that, let's go ahead and start with a general evaluation of this 2020 Dolphins rookie class from Coach himself. Yeah, I think given the situation, I think they've they've worked hard. Uh, they've improved over the course of training camp. But, you know, the big thing with the, the rookies, you know, on our team and really across the league is without you, you never really know about a player until there's live action. Um, you know, some guys get tight when it's live action. Some guys play better when there's live action. So you just don't, you, you, it's hard to know. So we're, we're going to go into the unknown uh, this season. Um, you know a little bit more in the preseason, but even that it isn't a regular season game. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with our rookie class. Uh, all of them really, you know, from the guys who we drafted early to the undrafted guys, I think they're all working hard. I think they're all, they're all bought in, but um, there's a, there's a lot of unknown here. Um, as you guys could imagine, there's, you know, playing in an NFL game, it's, this is the speed of it, the uh, the pressure that's involved in playing in, in the game, the players you're playing against. I mean, these guys are big, they're physical, they're strong, they're they're tough, they're they're angry. So when you get put in that situation, pressure bust pipes is is is, is a phrase that's been been used been used uh, for a long time, and we'll see. And that's it's not just us; that's every team. And I'm one of the few people that probably actually really enjoys the preseason. For me, it's like the ultimate evaluation opportunity for someone that just enjoys taking a look at how football players perform and how you can project their performance into the regular season. And I've always kind of found it fascinating to to discover which players' performances in the preseason actually stick as legitimate looks into what they could be in the future. Like I always go back to Victor Cruz of the New York Giants from like 2008 or whatever year that was when he kind of broke out. 
and Rex Ryan had the famous hard knock scene saying, who the hell is number three? Can we stop number three? That was the greatest example of a guy that really made a name for himself in the preseason across the league for my money, but it also works the opposite way. Like last year, for instance, I recall Nick Needham having a tough preseason, and here he was in week six, contributing to the Dolphins football team in a rookie season as an undrafted free agent. So like Flores says, you don't really know until you know, and we're going to find out in 12 days, opening day up in New England. Up next, coach was asked to evaluate the offensive line and what goes into the decision to pick five guys to start and when we'll know who those five might be. Everything you mentioned goes into the decision. Conditioning, best fit, best overall, but I would say, you know, uh, the number one thing is the the, the overall group. Um, we're talking about five guys. We need to get on the same page uh, from a communication standpoint. And I think, you know, uh, the three rookies, Austin, uh, Robert Hunt, Simon Kinley, all played well in, in, at times during training camps. They've all made mistakes as well. So, you know, these are tough decisions that we have to make. And look, things change over the course of the season. You know, like I, you know, I was telling Josh earlier, we may feel a certain way now, uh, put a group out there and, Look, if a player freezes up, then you know, we got to make an adjustment. I think we all we all know that. So, um, but I like where they're they're at. I think, think they're all working. You know, we're, look, we're still in a little bit of an evaluation phase here. Um, we got a practice today, um, a couple of practices later in the week. So, no official decisions have been made. And honestly, you guys will probably won't know till opening day. So, and we did hear Coach last week talk about the possibility of using rotations and trying to find ways to get guys up to speed conditioning wise in a season where they might not be ready to play 60 or 70 snaps from the jump in their first game. So interesting decisions that have to be made all across the National Football League in this strange, strange year heading into the weirdest week one we have ever seen as far as the offseason and lack of preseason goes here in the National Football League. Up next, Coach was asked a two-parter. First up, Landon Roberts. He played some fullback last year in New England. Is that on the table? And coach also divulged his thoughts on the quarterback room with Fitzpatrick, Tua Tungavailoa, and Josh Rosen. Obviously, Landon's played fullback in the past. And look, he's 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 someone who's willing to play wherever we, we ask him to play. Um, but we got a lot of guys that way. So it's definitely a possibility. You know, it's not something that we're going to make any definitive decision on right now. Um, we still got 12 days. So that's where we're at where they land in. Um, as far as Tua Rosen, you know, and might as well throw Fitzpatrick in there as well. Um, that's still a lot of competition at that position. So, you know, we're not saying somebody's one, two, three. It's still a competition. Um, and uh, obviously Fitz has played well. Uh, you know, they've all played well in spurts and they've all made mistakes. Still got a few days here. I think they're, you know, we like where all three of them are and we will uh, continue to, to leave that as a competition um, moving forward. Up next, Coach was asked to talk about the roster and how he feels about who the top 53 might be for now, who the top 69 might be on the practice squad as we have an extended practice squad for this 2020 season. Here's Coach talking about how he views the roster at this point in time on September 1st, again, 12 days away from the opener. So in the 53, I mean, look, we've got, you know, a lot of competition on this team, uh, various positions. So, uh, I mean, it's probably, let's call it 60 players vying that, you know, we feel good about, you know, to include and probably a little bit more than that when you, when you start talking about practice squad uh, spots as well, with there being 16 um, practice squad spots this season. So there's a lot of, I think we got a, a, some some talented players, some guys we can develop. So as far as forecasting, you know, what this, who the best players or who the uh, guys we think can develop, you know, that, that becomes a little bit of a, uh, 
a longer conversation, to say the least, Ken. Um, as far as who the 53 are, um, I kind of look at it as who the 69 are, uh, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to release some of those guys and hope that we get them back. So uh, on the practice squad. But, yeah, I mean, I've got a pretty good, you know, uh, idea of who the, let's call it, 69 players are. The next question was uh, QB1. When would we like to know? Um, as soon as possible. Uh, when will you guys know? Probably as late as, as possible is, you know, where I leave it. So you got to get this thing down to 69 players. And then from there, of course, you can always lose guys that you release and try to get them back on the practice squad if they clear waivers 24 hours later. So start thinking of your list. Start making your predictions. Who might be on this roster come opening day? We have plenty of decisions to be made from the coaching staff and the like here at Dolphins Training Camp. Up next, Coach was asked about the possibility of the injury that Tua Tungavailoa suffered back last October, how much of an impact that could have on the decision to who is active on opening day at that quarterback position. Here is coach talking about Tungavailoa's injury and the quarterback spot in general for opening day. That is definitely part of the conversation for sure. I mean, I think, you know, we're at 10 months. It was a pretty uh, serious injury. Uh, He looks good though. I mean, you guys have seen him. Uh, He looks good. He looks healthy. He's moving around to his right, to his left. But yes, that's, that's, that's part of the conversation. He's a great kid. I care about him. You know, I want what's best for him. Um, And that's definitely part of the conversation. And we start with the quarterbacks there and end on this Brian Flores Tuesday morning media availability with the guys that catch the passes from the quarterbacks as coach kind of evaluates his wide receiver room here so far through training camp. And again, 12 days away until the season opener. You know, guys like Ford, Hollins, Rogers. Obviously, you, so you mentioned Devontae and Preston and Jakeem. Uh, I think they're all, I, I like the depth. They're all working. Um, they all understand kind of their role in the offense. You know, Malcolm Perry's part of that as well. They all have different uh, and, and unique um, skill sets. So I like the depth, you know, and I think, you know, their role in the kicking game will, 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 will also play a, a role in, you know, that evaluation, whether it's, Jakeem as a punt returner, Matt Collins as a gunner, uh, you know, Malcolm Perry, you know, in in his roles as a punt returner, as a PP on punt, Um, Isaiah Ford, you know, who can move around and play multiple positions. Uh, I mean, I like the depth. It's it's a hardworking group. You know, they all block. It's important to them. And so there goes Coach for his Tuesday morning media availability. We just got back off the practice field, taking a look at the Dolphins getting loose in the early portions of practice. And as we are about to get some players here for their availabilities on this Tuesday afternoon, again, just 12 days away from the regular season. I feel like I've said that 12 times on this podcast, but I can't believe it's already September 1st. We talked about it on the podcast yesterday, how this just kind of snuck up on us without the benefit of the preseason, without a full training camp, without all the OTAs. It just feels like I saw this on, I think it was Mark Sessler of the NFL Network, On his Twitter, he mentioned that his body clock right now feels like it's still June 4th because we're just getting back into the football mood of things, so to speak. And I'm with him. It feels like we still have a long way to go before the season, but just 12 days away. And speaking of the NFL Network, I think I have to mention it here on the podcast, made my national television debut on Monday. A little bit of nerves going into it, but for the most part knew that I had multiple takes to get it done. Flubbed a couple of takes to the guy who honked on the third take, which was going very, very well. Sir, I'm not your biggest fan. I don't appreciate that. (laughs) We had to do about four more takes after that, but hey, 
it's all good. We got done. We got taken care of. And I love and appreciate all the support we got on social media. I didn't see a negative comment out there, which is so rare to see that. So all the love and support you guys continue to give me for the podcast, for the video work, for the written content. I'm just in a place right now in my life where I could not be happier. The only thing that would make me happier is if my wife and my daughter were down here with me in South Florida. They are still back home in the state of Washington. I miss them like crazy every single day. But from a professional standpoint, man, you you work hard enough at something and you want something enough and you take enough pride and enough joy in something. I really do believe that you can accomplish pretty much anything. Obviously, I was never going to be able to accomplish being an NFL wide receiver because five foot 10, 160 pound guys just don't cut it at that spot in the National Football League. But if there's something within your capabilities of your talent level, then I think you should pursue it as hard as you possibly can because that's going to be the message I tell my kids one day. If you work hard enough, you can do whatever you want. And uh, it's it's just, I couldn't be more more thrilled and more grateful for the Miami Dolphins and really helping me you know, achieve my dreams and achieve where I want to go. And that's not to say that we're necessarily done here because you always should be reaching for something higher and setting new goals too. So I've kind of you know, reshaped my goals going forward. I think that the four or five years ago, I talked to my wife about wanting to be a college graduate, want, wanting to work in the National Football League. Both of those two things have been accomplished, so time to set new goals and develop that next sort of five-year plan, so to speak. And, and hopefully it's something here with the Miami Dolphins and staying in this organization because so far I've been here with the team virtually for six months and in person, six months in total. I was hired at the end of February, and it's been just nothing but great since then. And then when I got down here in August, my goodness, it's just I mean, being here every day, being on campus, I just couldn't ask for more. So super appreciative of all the folks that gave me an opportunity along the way and the ones that put me in this position. And of course, all of you guys out there, the fans and the support. I mean, the the support of social media and kind of having a recognizable name on there. I mean, that that has to go a long way in the eyes of decision makers because you want to bring someone that has an audience built in. And I certainly had that. So again, just so grateful for everybody. Super, super appreciative of that. Now, I built up a segment idea here based on the most prevalent comment I saw on that NFL Network hit as we filmed that right outside the Dolphins facility. Now, in a typical year, I think you can shoot on the field. I'm sure we'd have the NFL Network guys out on the field as, again, the NFL continues to take all the precautions necessary to make this season go off. And again, to that note right there, I mean, the number of positive cases right now across so many tests among the National Football League, it's just, it's been so impressive the way they've handled this so far. So it's great to see football kind of trending in that positive direction to get to the season and to have games and to really help us just hopefully finally push beyond this whole COVID-19 coronavirus thing because it's been a strange, strange, weird year. And I do think the return of the National Football League is going to help tremendously in terms of people's just psyches and, and people's well-being because it does bring back a sense of normalcy when you have football on your TV on Sundays in the fall. Nothing nothing for me is better than that. But to go back to this kind of long speech here, so to speak, one of the comments I saw on Twitter was about the cars buzzing by on the street out there. So we couldn't film on the practice field, had to come out to the street across from the facility. And it's, I think it's 35 miles an hour on that street. But if you live in Florida, you know that 35 really means 55, 60, 70. I mean, you can pretty much go as fast as you want down here. I haven't seen anybody pulled over for a speeding ticket. The only time I see cops on the road is when, or in action, I should say, is when there's been an accident and they have to get out there and assess the damage and kind of, you know, 
decide who was at fault and that type of thing. But there's not really speed limits. And so on that main road, it it sparked this idea for a segment because I've been thinking about this when I go out and I drive in public down here in South Florida. When you get to the line at the front of the intersection and you pull up first, people getting off that line, I would liken that to Cam Wake getting off the snap count in the fourth quarter against the New York Jets. It is the ultimate first step quickness, explosive in that wide nine rush. You got to get from zero to 60 and get after that quarterback and make a play for your team. That's the approach the drivers take down here. Now, when you're coming in behind those people, maybe you're the rush linebacker coming off a second level. You want to kind of pick and choose your spots based upon the matchup, right? If you've got a bit of free reign to rush what gap you want to rush, are you going to pick the minivan lane or are you going to go behind a German car? I mean, it's just a pretty obvious decision there, but sometimes you'd be surprised because sometimes that Honda Pilot flies off there like Jason Taylor in his prime where the sports car at times can kind of have some of that. Maybe they're a draft bus. Maybe they don't have the urgency of the later round pick, i.e. the Honda Pilot, whereas the BMW maybe has a little bit of complacency setting in. This podcast this topic is getting off the rails anyway i was safe out on the side of the street the cars do drive insanely fast down here but we're still alive we're still trucking and again thank you for all the support for the nfl network hit on inside training camp live my favorite part about that was rhett lewis throwing it to me because i'm a huge rhett lewis fan on the move the sticks podcast when he anchors shows on nfl network his college football work big rhett lewis fan so to hear him call my name and and throw a report to me that was probably the coolest thing for me from my perspective All right, let's go ahead and get to our sandwich segment here to go ahead and kind of put the Brian Flores media to the player availability after practice here on this Tuesday, September the 1st edition of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. And I wanted to get into who have been the top five training camp performers who were not here a year ago because we know very well about what guys like, for instance, Devontae Parker or Ryan Fitzpatrick or even Preston Williams for that matter, what those guys offer. But I wanted to go over the top five guys who have who were imported here this offseason, whether it was a draft pick or a free agent signing or what have you, and how they've performed so far in training camp. We're going to go off the top five newcomers here that I saw through the course of 10 practices and one scrimmage on the football field. And we're going to start with number five, who was here only because he suffered a bit of a nick in practice at one point and missed a couple of the team portions and did not participate in the scrimmage on Saturday. It's outside linebacker slash off-ball linebacker slash pass rusher slash A-gap, B-gap rusher Kyle Van Noy. This guy to me, was the straw that stirred the drink up in New England. He was the guy that played so many positions. You could play him off the edge like they did almost exclusively in 2019, or you can play him in a 50-50 split off the ball or on the edge, again, coming down in different gaps to rush the quarterback as a stand-up linebacker, as they did in 2018 under Brian Flores there as the DC in New England. He plays special teams. He covers kicks. He makes tackles. He is so fundamentally sound in his run fits acting as both the force defender and as a guy that comes down and beats blocks on his way to the ball carrier. He's so consistent and so sound in his run defense. He's so solid in coverage, finding passing lanes, getting to his landmark on those pass drops. And as a pass rusher, to me, one of the most underrated pass rushers in the entire National Football League because he kind of has that lengthy looking build. His his torso looks a little bit elongated compared to what more of a stout, true, powerful edge rusher might look like. But he uses that to his advantage in the way he 
he creates leverage and creates bend around that edge. He has active, active hands. He knows how to keep himself clean off those blocks and get into the offensive lineman, then create space. And from there, work in that small amount of space to bend that edge, to cross face, to use the arsenal of rush moves he has to get after the quarterback. And he's been so efficient rushing the quarterback in this exact scheme that you just think that's going to be the exact same translation over here to Miami. He had 58 pressures on 449 pass rush reps back in 2018. He had a gaudy 12.9% pressure rate that season, and his versatility in terms of directional rushing is completely there as well. He had a share of A-gap pressures. His pass rush productivity off the right side was 9.2. That was 11th from that position in 2018, and 7.5 PRP in 2018 as well. In the running game, he had 30 run stops that year. Those are tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage, and he missed five tackles on the entire season. He was the fifth highest graded run defender that year for the Patriots in 2018, playing in this system under this head coach. He allowed 86 receiving yards on 86 pass coverage reps. So pretty easy math there. One yard per coverage snap on Kyle Van Noy. That earned him the eighth best coverage grade of outside edge defenders back in 2018. So you go across the entire board there in pro football focus or just in the Signature stats they have, he grades highly across all of them. I can't say enough about Kyle Van Noy and what I think he brings to this defense in all three phases of the defense, in the communication, in the leadership, in the veteran example he's going to set on this defense. Very, very stoked to have Kyle Van Noy here, who's been working out on the field every day, by the way, with the injury that he had last week in practice. So tough guy as well, going to be available for you when you need him on game day. My number four newcomer training camp performance for the Miami Dolphins here in 2020 has been Shaq Lawson, the defensive end, signed over from the Buffalo Bills. You look at the athletic measurements that he has. He was an 8.39 score on the relative athletic scorecard, courtesy of Kent Lee Platt. Math Bomb on Twitter does great work. We reference him all the time on this podcast. This guy's been consistently on the football field. 298 pass rush reps and 40 pressures last season with the Buffalo Bills. That's a 13.4% rush rate or successful rush rate for Lawson. Seven sacks equate to a 2.3% sack rate and 21 quarterback hits gives him an impressive 7% hit rate on quarterbacks last season. He had a pressure in 16 of Buffalo's 17 games last year. That, of course, includes the wild card game. And in weeks 11 through 17, he had 22 total quarterback pressures. That's 3.67 per game. He committed just three fouls on the entire season and has only drawn a flag eight times in his four-year career. So discipline, athletically built, good pass rusher, very good run defender. He had 24 run stops last year. That's an 8.4 run stop percentage. That ranks seventh best in the NFL. And he was also in the top 10 on tackle for loss with 13 TFLs among all DNs. Now, as far as his performance in training camp, again, very impressed with his second week here. He was getting constant pressure on the quarterback. He has a really good way of playing with power through the tackle to get that upfield rush. He leans into the tackle and resets the line of scrimmage, resets that pass set and forces the quarterback off the spot. And then he uses the arms and the hands to get himself free. We saw him working with Emmanuel Ogba on that clip at Dolphins camp. So just two guys that are powerful, strong, long, and can get after the quarterback that way and also play the run as they get to the quarterback so they can be three down run defenders and get after guys. Marion Hobby loves this guy. Brian Flores loves this guy. Shaq Lawson has been as advertised through training camp. My number four newcomer here in Miami Dolphins 2020 camp. My number three newcomer is a rookie and he's the only one on this list that is a rookie. Raekwon Davis. And at six foot seven, 330 pounds, this guy is an absolute monster. 
He has one of the longest wingspans in all of the National Football League. I have compared his body composition in the past to Calais Campbell. He just looks big among big guys out there. And you talk about the position versatility. Last year for the Crimson Tide, 391 snaps as a B-gap defender. That's going to be between your guard and your tackle. 122 up over the nose, straight over the center. 63 reps outside the tackle and 59 reps in the A-gap. That, of course, between the center and guard on the interior there. This guy has earned good grades from Pro Football Focus throughout his college football career. 84.9, 81.9, and 83.2. He had 1,849 snaps there at Alabama, made 10 career sacks at Alabama. Also had 66 pressures over three years and 75 run stops. He's a pocket collapser, a run game penetrator, uses that length and power to reset the point of attack. His PFF run grade last year was 87.9 and 90.4 in 2018. Both of those in that elite blue category on pro football focus. He also had a 111 inch broad jump at his scouting combines. So this guy can blow off the tape as far as his power explosiveness. You see it in the athletic testing metrics as well. And that has translated onto the field here at Dolphins camp. He has been a tough block for anyone across from him, consistently collapsing the interior of the pocket. He can go up and down the line of scrimmage and it's the same story over and over again, resetting guys, pushing them back into the backfield, resetting the line of scrimmage and showing that power and strength both against the run and against the pass. Raekwon Davis has looked damn good on the field in training camp so far. Number two newcomer at training camp has been cornerback Byron Jones. And again, I'm a process over results guy. And you might see some highlights on the five or six clips you've seen from practice out of a thousand snaps of Byron Jones, where Preston Williams or Devontae Parker makes a one-handed catch. Let me tell you, those are few and far between because Jones is consistently in great position. He is so smooth at running guys into the boundary, into the perimeter, forcing them into that fit portion of the field. You might see a red line on the practice field. That is the fit between the red line and the perimeter of the football field. You want to condense guys as far as you can towards that perimeter, and the receiver wants to stay on that red line. But Jones does so well with his just kind of veteran savviness and his physicality of his game and the way he challenges routes all the way from the the press all the way to the top of the route and the catch point. He can force guys into that perimeter and really narrow that window for the quarterback. And we've seen that. We've also seen Fitzpatrick and Williams and Parker make plays in that tight window. But that's why he was number one last year in yards per target allowed. Check that number two in the NFL with 5.1 yards per target. He allowed the ninth fewest receptions per game and the fourth fewest yards per game across the entire National Football League. He was fourth in both playerprofile.com's coverage rating and catch rate allowed. He also forced better than 50% tight window throws, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. The next closest cornerback on that list was 40%, so better than a 10% drop-off from number one down to number two. This guy can play all over the formation. He's missed one game in his career, has 19 pass breakups over the previous two seasons. He just continuously makes plays. He locks guys down on the perimeter. He can condense inside in the slot. He can play safety. This guy is a pro's pro. He's out there working on the craft every single day working on things, tracking the football, getting his press down, getting his jam, his handwork, his feet work, all the technical traits that Brian Flores loves in a cornerback. He's out there working on those every single day. This guy has just been so impressive in his career, so impressive here with Miami. I have the list of Michael Thomas, Alshon Jeffrey, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Brandon Cooks, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas again with zero catches, and T.Y. Hilton, his guys, that he held the two or less catches over the previous two years in those matchups. Byron Jones has looked the part of a lockdown cornerback here in training camp in Miami. 
Number one training camp newcomer for me is going to be Emmanuel Ogba. You just look at the makeup of this guy. Back in 2016 at his combine, a 4.63 40-yard dash, 35.5-inch vert, 121 inches on the broad. For a guy that goes 6'4", 273 pounds, with 35.5-inch arms, those arms rank at 94th percentile in the National Football League, as does his broad jump and vertical jump, better than 94th percentile across defensive ends. They talk about that thick, powerful frame, the broad shoulders, helps him hold up the point against the run, helps him detach from blockers as a pass rusher he had five and a half sacks last year playing a career low 251 pass rush snaps he does have 18 snap sacks over the course of his career and he plays an average of 631 snaps per season 125 pressures across his four seasons his career prp pass rush productivity is 8.3 percent hit a 10.7 percent pass rush or pressure rate last season i should say which surpassed his career best 9.4 in 2016 with the Browns. 83 run stops, those are tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage on 965 running down reps. That's a career run stop rate of 8.6%. And among players with 10 or more games played, Ogba's 10.6 run stop rate last year was fourth best in the National Football League among defensive ends. And we've seen that on the field here in training camp so far. The length, the strength, the power, the ability to work off of blockers, to go inside, to go up the field and run the arc, to get in the passing lane and bat passes down at the line of scrimmage. He has sacks, he has PBUs, he has run stops, he has pressures. He has done it all here at Dolphins training camp. So Kyle Van Noy, Raekwon Davis, Byron Jones, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, my top five newcomers who performed well in training camp this year for the Miami Dolphins. And we spin it forward now for a little bit of Dolphins media availability. We're going to start here with kicker Jason Sanders, who first was asked about being in a situation where other teams across the NFL, because you have the three specialists, will use their kicker as the emergency punter in an event where the punter goes down. Here's Jason Sanders on his ability to punt should something happen in-game to Matt Hawk. We'll mess around every once in a while at practice. Um, I would say that I'd be a good emergency punter. I'm not going to be an NFL punter in the league, but emergency punter, I'll be there. And entering year number three here for Jason Sanders, he was asked to evaluate year one versus year two and what he looks forward to here in year number three. The first season, um, I felt like I didn't have as many kicks. Well, I definitely didn't have as many kicks as I did last year. Um, first season, I think it was a rather short year where we didn't we didn't back it up very far. But when the second year came around, it was good to see the confidence that, that Coach Flores and Crossman had in me to, to throw me out there when we needed three points. And reflecting back, I mean, I like as as low as my percentage was last year, I liked the things I did. I I, I had a lot of big kicks. It was a slow start, but I had a lot of big kicks and, and a couple of big plays. We'll go ahead and finish up here with Jason Sanders on a question regarding onside kicks and how different that play has become under the new rules of how you can only get a certain amount of yardage run up to the ball on onside kicks. Here's Jason Sanders talking about the challenges of the new onside kick rules. Every kickoff onside kick is going to be a lot harder. You don't get that running start as you would two or three years ago. So, I mean, it changes the kicks. It changes what somebody was good at. They, they can no longer do because it's, it's harder to get the ball back. So um, I think having a kicker that, that can do different variety of onside kicks is, is going to have that kickoff return team guessing on what's going to happen. And I think that's what 
might give you an edge on the the kickoff team that to get that ball back. Next, we hear from Jesse Davis, another fellow Pacific Northwesterner, always wears his Mariner hat here around campus, so go M's Jesse Davis. Let's start with a question from me to Jesse about the availability throughout the course of his career playing in 47 out of the possible 48 games. Hey, Jesse, how's it going, man? Um, You've played in 47 of a possible 48 games over the last three years at a position that's not exactly easy to show durability at. I'm just curious, what is it about your regiment that makes you available for this team every Sunday? Staying healthy is probably the biggest one, you know, and then playing through the little things, which everybody does. And, um, you know, I just want to be, you know, for anything this team needs me to be, you know, that's what I'm going to be. And I think that's why, you know, we kind of extended in the off season, but, or I mean, before the season last year, but, um, you know, I, I, I love being, you know, the, the, the wanted feeling of, you know, Hey, we, you know, we can put this guy anywhere and, you know, it, hopefully he can succeed there. And I, you know, I take a lot of, pride in doing that for this organization and here is davis talking about moving across the offensive line playing multiple spots in his career here he is on the strengths that he provides the dolphins whether it's right guard right tackle wherever he might play here's davis on his strengths um you know i I kind of bring a lot to the table in both those positions but you know playing next to um either ted karras or you know rookie Saul mckinley or rob hunt um you know it doesn't really matter to me where they where they stick me but Next, we get an evaluation from Davis on a couple of the rookies on the offensive line in Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt. How they like their, you know, they're, they're big guys that can move people. You know, they're smart. You know, they're, they're very coachable people. Um, the difference is I'd probably just say, you know, the height. Them, but, um, you know, they're, they're two good rookies, and I'm, you know, I'm glad we have them on our team. And this Dolphins offensive line has been remade pretty significantly with Ted Karras, Eric Flowers, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley. You have the undrafted Jonathan Hubbard here as well. Plenty of guys new to this offensive line. Here's Davis evaluating the differences between this time last year on the offensive line and now this season going into camp and into the regular season just 12 days away. I feel like we're more solidified at positions than last year. You know, we had a lot of guys coming in. We didn't know exactly where they're going to be, including myself. Um, you know, a lot of changing, a lot of moving parts as it was all season. But, you know, this season's been, I'd say, a lot more solidified in the position, you know, specific spots. And so I think guys have, you know, learned technique a lot better and um, how this offense has been running. So it's been nice to see. And one more from me. Yeah, we saw a clip on social media of Shaq Lawson complimenting Emmanuel Ogba's big, heavy hands. I'm just curious, going up against Ogba as much as you have in practice, what are some of the challenges that that length and power that he offers presents to you as a lineman? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I've noticed as well is how long his arms are. You know, it's kind of hard to get a punch on him uh, in pass pro. You know, and we've had our uh, our bouts there in practice, and he's a good, good DN. I'm glad he's on our team. But uh, yeah, he's very strong, long arm, heavy hand guy. And I guess the social media references would be the theme of the day for me and my questions as next we turn it forward to running back Matt Breida and my question to him about something I saw on Twitter. Hey, Matt, we saw a clip of you kind of jawing with Jerome Baker a bit during the scrimmage. I just want to kind of get your side of not only that battle, but just in general talking about the challenges these Dolphins linebackers present to you both in coverage and defending the run. Oh, yeah, they're all um, very fast, uh, very physical, and they all can cover and run and hit. So, uh, you know, it's a, new, it's a very unique situation. We have a lot of guys on the team that can do all that. And, uh, you know, it's just fun competing against those guys because they're making me better, um, you know, every day. And, uh, iron, like I say, iron shoppers are iron. And, uh, 
it's just great having those guys out there to be able to compete and, uh, you know, you can talk a little bit of trash too. And next, something Brita had talked about previously, I think in his previous media availability, here he is again talking about some of the impressions he's gotten from the Dolphins' locker room, again making the comparison to the first time he arrived in San Francisco to now here in Miami. Uh, you know, it's awesome. Uh, like I was telling people before, this locker room kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, San Fran when I first got there. Um, how it's got a lot of young guys. Um, guys don't got big egos on the team, you know. I think a lot of guys feel like they got a lot to prove in the league. And, uh, you know, that's always going to help our chemistry as the season goes on, and uh, we're just going to build on that. Uh, we've got a lot of guys who love to compete, and uh, I'm just very happy to be here. Next, Brita was asked about the absence of live tackling in practice and how it might translate the way it did in college, according to a reporter that asked this question, how there's been more missed tackles in the first week of college football this past week and how that might affect the NFL and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, college is a little different than the NFL. I mean, we, we still are able to practice tackling without actually having to, you know, go to the ground or actually hurt each other. Um, you know, that's one thing I feel like, you know, uh, we do a great job of. Coach Flo does a great job of emphasizing every day is tackling, uh, ball security, turnovers, and we work on it every day. So I don't think we're going to have a lot of missed tackles. And we'll go ahead and finish up here with a question that always is going to get on the podcast if you get a player talking about scheme and breaking down some stuff on the offense or defensive side. Here is Matt Breida talking about running not just outside, but also in between the tackles and how he prides himself on that physicality of the game. And the quickest way to the end zone is right up the gut. Oh, I love it. I mean, uh, that's one thing, you know, since I was a little kid, I love is just, you know, the, the eye formation, the getting the isos, running up the middle. Um, that's the quickest way to the end zone to me. Um, you know, so outside zone is great, but I love going straight down because, you know, I feel like I can just burst through the line, get to the second level. And like I said, it's the fast way to the end zone. All right. And there you have it. Matt Breida, Jesse Davis, and Jason Sanders talking to us here today, as well as Coach Flores. Tomorrow on the podcast, we are going to cover coaches' media availability. I believe we get the offensive coaches on Wednesday, player day off, and then we get full force into things over the weekend ahead of cut down day on Saturday. We're going to have all that covered for you here on the Drive Time Podcast. But in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. We've climbed back up into the top 200 on Apple Podcasts, so go ahead and help us out and keep us there. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. Brand new episode of Fish Tank up right now. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.